0: The gift of salvation was a joint effort between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid that too often when we think of salvation, we we only give credit to Jesus. Today I want us to understand that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were very much a part of the process salvation. In fact, without the contribution of all three, salvation would have been impossible. Our theme today is we believe. And when it comes to salvation, there are three things that we believe. First of all, we believe in the Father, the provider of salvation. John 3:16 says that God so loved the world, oh that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. We need to understand today that the plan of salvation began in the heart of God the Father. God's love for man was so great that oh that it broke his heart when man sinned and rebelled. Against him. And God's love compelled him oh, to devise a plan to draw man's heart back to him. I want to suggest three things this morning about the love of our Heavenly Father. First of all, let's talk about the fact of His undeserved love. His undeserved love. You see, God doesn't love us because we are so lovable. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? That that, that you are so lovable. You are so irresistible that, oh, that God just had to love you. But let me tell you that God doesn't love us because we are so lovable. No, no, no. He loves us because He is so loving. Romans 3 tells us that, that man is anything but lovable. The Bible describes man as evil. It describes man as corrupt. It describes him as vile. Let me suggest today that man is sinful and man is selfish and man is shameful. And let me say this this morning. If man received what he deserved, he would experience God's wrath, not his love. But I also want us to look at his unconditional love. His unconditional love, John 3.16 says that, that, that whosoever that whosoever believeth in him would not have to perish but could have everlasting God's love isn't based on any condition. There is no asterisk attached to the word love as it applies to the love of Almighty God. No, no, it's not based on race, it's not based on behavior, it's not based on economic standing, it's not based on a reciprocity, or, 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 and the list goes on and on and on. No, His love is unconditional. And then I want us to talk a little bit about his unstoppable love. His unstoppable love. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3 and, and Romans chapter 8 tells us that, that nothing on earth, that nothing in heaven, that nothing in hell, that there is absolutely nothing that can stop the love of God. I want you to understand this morning that there is absolutely nothing that you can do to stop God from loving you. Uh, it doesn't matter how, how mean, how ugly, how vile, how vulgar, how evil that you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm telling you this morning, there's absolutely nothing that you can do that will stop God from loving you. Now, I didn't say that there's nothing that we could do uh, that would make God angry. I didn't say that. And I did not say that there's nothing that we can do to disqualify us from heaven. I didn't say that, but I did say this morning that God's love is unstoppable. That there's absolutely nothing that we can do, nothing that we can do to stop God from loving us. Our theme today is we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe that he is the provider of salvation. We believe, oh, that our salvation began in the heart of Almighty God. And we believe that because his heart exploded, literally exploded with love, oh, toward his creation called man, because of this, God the Father provided salvation to every human being. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all, every single person, it is the will of God that all would come to repentance, that all would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Not only do we believe in the Father, not only do we believe in the part that He played for our salvation, but we also believe in the Son. We believe in the Son, the person of salvation. John 3, 16, again, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loved you, he loved me so much that he was willing to give the very best that he had, his very own son, so that whoever would believe on him, on his son, and what his son would do for them would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. Jesus, the Son of God, became Jesus, the Son of Man. You see, we need to understand that Jesus has always been. He did not come into existence in Bethlehem's manger. But just as God the Father has always been and always will be just the same, The Lord Jesus Christ was also God. He has always been and he will always be. And as the son of God, he had all of the rights and he had all of the privileges that God the Father had. And yet he was willing to lay down these rights and he was willing to lay down all these privileges. He was willing to come to planet earth and he was willing to live in the flesh as a man. Let me share two things about Jesus and his role as the person of salvation. First of all, let's take a look at his life. Let me suggest, first of all, his life was simple. Simple. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was born to very common people. His earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter, blue-collar, working class. The Bible teaches us that, that Jesus lived a very simple, humble life. There was no glitter. There was no glamour. There was no pomp or circumstance or fanfare. Read even through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll discover that he didn't build a crystal cathedral. He didn't ride around in a private jet. He didn't demand special mineral water before he would speak. And yet some of his servants, some of the men of God today, some of the preachers today, oh, they've got to have their jet, they've got to have their crystal cathedral, they've got to have their special mineral water, or they're not preaching I say don't preach. (laughs) Jesus lived a very humble life. He lived a very simple life. The fact of the matter is, he never owned anything. He borrowed a womb to be born. He borrowed a boat to minister from. He borrowed a donkey to ride on. He borrowed a little lad's lunch in order to feed the multitude. Oh, he even borrowed a room in order to hold the last supper. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in. And he said, the birds have nests to dwell in. But he said, the Son of Man has not one place to lay his head. Not only was his life simple, but it was also sinless. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says that, that God made Christ who never sinned. Who what? For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through You see, God's requirement for salvation was that a perfect, sinless sacrifice be offered up to Him. And Jesus, God's Son, was that perfect, sinless sacrifice. The Bible says that He was born sinless. And the Bible says that He lived His entire life sinless. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says He was tempted in every area, just like you and I are, yet he did not sin. Not only did Jesus live his life simple and sinless, but also significant. John chapter 7 and verse 46, they said about Jesus, no one has ever spoken like this man, Oh, when Jesus would open his mouth, such wisdom, oh, such profound words and teaching, oh, such ministry would come from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. And they, they would look at each other in amazement and say, no one has ever spoken like this man speaks. And in Mark chapter 4 and verse 41, uh, they looked around at each other Oh, as they were looking at Jesus. And they said, who is this man? Who is this man that even all the winds and the waves obey him? Who can he be? Who is this man? You see, no other single individual has ever impacted nor influenced the world like Jesus. We believe. We believe in the Son. Oh, the Son. The person. The person of salvation. The one that's fleshed out our salvation. We believe in His life. And we also believe in His death. Notice three things about His death. First of all, it was surrendered. Surrendered. You see, the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth was for him not only to live, but also for him to die. He was born to die. And he knew before he came, he knew what was ahead of him, he knew what his lot in life was, he knew what his mission was, he knew that he was coming not only to live, but he was coming to die. And he volunteered volunteered for the assignment. He surrendered his will to the will of the Father. Oh, he cried oh, my God, my Father, if there's any other way than this, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, let it be some way else, someone else, but not my will, your will. Be done. And Jesus said in John 10 and verse 18, he said, no one can take my life from me. He said, oh, he said, I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to. And I also have the authority to take it up again because I have received the command of my Father. I suggest that Jesus put up no struggle. When it came time to be nailed to the cross. I've often imagined in my mind how that had happened and how it took place. And I can imagine the thief on the right and the thief on the left of Jesus and and how they must have fought and how they must have put up a fight. Oh, doing everything within their power to keep themselves off of the cross. Then I envisioned Jesus. And I envision him willingly. Submitting to the cross. And I see him willingly lay down. Nobody had to force him on the cross. No one had to fight him to get him there. But out of genuine love and submission. He laid down on the cross. Willingly. Surrendering. Lovingly, willingly, purposely. Purposefully. Positioning his hands and his feet on the beams of that old rugged cross. Not only was his death surrendered, but, but it was severe. There's absolutely no way to adequately describe in horrendous detail the pain, the agony, and the excruciating torture. That Jesus experienced on the cross. You see, crucifixion was not just a means of execution. But it was specifically designed for indescribable torture. It was literally a torture chamber designed not only to put someone to death but to put someone to death in the most horrendous painful torturous way not just anybody could could be an executioner no 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 it was an art the executioner was trained, trained in how to position a body oh, on the cross exactly and precisely so that the maximum amount of pain, the maximum amount of torture oh, would be experienced by the one being crucified. Isaiah says in Isaiah 52 and verse 14, describing Jesus on the cross, Isaiah says people were amazed when they saw him. He says, his face was so disfigured. See, when we think about the cross, mostly we think about the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet and the spear in his side. But Isaiah said that people were amazed when they saw Jesus on the cross because his face, his face was so disfigured. Oh, he seemed hardly human. And he says, and from his appearance, One would scarcely know he was a man. John chapter 19 describes the death of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was whipped with a cat of nine tails. On the whipping post, his clothes were stripped from his back. And the cat of nine tails... Used to whip him 39 lashes. Why 39? Well, I've read that that 40 was thought to kill a man. And so before Jesus ever got to the cross, he was brought to the very brink of death. Amen. By the lashes that he took upon his back. Lashes that began on his back. Oh, Oh, first of all, just, you know, leaving a red mark and then a welt and, and then literally literally, with the, with the metal and the jagged uh, objects on the end of, of, of that whip oh, would go into the, very, into the very flesh of the back of Jesus and literally rip some of the back and the flesh of the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. That whip would not all go on the back. Now I grew up in the day when kids got whippings not spankings, and definitely not time out. I had time out all right. I was unconscious for about three days. And my dad would say, bend over that bed and take it like a man. I can think a lot of things about a man, but just laying there and let somebody beat on you, I don't know about that. And my dad called me the Bunkin Bronco. Because I bucked and I jumped and I flopped and I flipped. And when he got done with me, I had marks all over. He aimed for my bottom where it's supposed to go. And he'd say, if you'll stay there, that's where they'll go. But you know what? They didn't all stay on my rear end. Some of them got on other places of my body because I was jumping around. And I'm gonna tell you about about that whip that Jesus had to endure. It didn't all go on his back, but some of it ripped around. And that's where some of the some of it on his face, as it would also slap his face. And his face became so swollen. They didn't even recognize him, didn't even look like a man. A crown of thorns was placed on his head and beaten down into his skull. And then the actual crucifixion. Where nails were literally driven in his hands and feet. And after nailing him to the cross. Oh, they raised that cross and they dropped it in the hole that was prepared. And there, there the weight of his entire body. A man was suspended simply on the nails in his hands. We believe this morning. We believe in the Son, the person of salvation. Oh, oh, the one that fleshed out our salvation. Jesus, the Son of God, becoming Jesus, the Son of Man. We need to understand today that his body was human. He felt the name. Oh, oh, he felt the stripes, oh, he felt the pain, he felt the agony, he, he felt the torture, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. Not only was the death of Jesus surrendered and severe, it was also substitutive. You see, Jesus didn't deserve to be punished. He didn't deserve to be tortured. He was sinless. He was pure. Oh, he was perfect. He experienced this for us. So that we wouldn't have to experience the wrath of God. Oh, as punishment for our sin. Romans 5, verse 18 and 19 says, Adam's sin brought condemnation on every man. Because Adam sinned, it brought sin into the life of every human being. It says Adam's sin brought condemnation to all men, but it goes on to say Christ's righteous act provides salvation to every man. Isaiah 53 and 6, one of my very, very favorite scriptures in the entirety of the Word of God, says that God placed on Jesus the sin of us all. See, what I could not do for myself, oh, what you cannot do for yourself, God did for us by placing His Son on the cross And on the cross, God somehow miraculously gathered up every sin of all men of past, age, present, and future age. Oh, somehow he put it all in the cup of Gethsemane. And when Jesus said, not my will, but your will, I'm willing to drink the cup. On the cross, God took the cup and he poured it all on his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that your sin was in that cup and my sin was in that cup and the sin of every child molester was in that cup. And every rapist sin was in that cup, and every alcoholic sin was in that cup. Amen. And every adulterous sin was in that cup. And every sin that has ever been committed was in the cup. Amen. That Jesus bore oh, on Calvary for us. Man could never ever do for himself. God did for him. In the life, death and resurrection of his son Jesus. Christ, see, I am the one that deserved to be nailed to the cross, and you deserved to be nailed to the cross, but instead of punishing us for our sins, God. Took his own son and nailed him to the cross. And God took my sin and your sin and every man's sin. And he placed it upon Christ and what I couldn't do for myself. Jesus did for me on that cross. She <laughs> or God punished Jesus for our sin. And Jesus accepted the punishment for our sin. Oh, how can you not love Jesus? I said, how can you knowing what he did for you on the cross, how? In the way could you not love Jesus? And how in the world could your heart remain so hardened toward Jesus after what He did for you? We believe. Not only do we believe in in the Father, the provider of salvation, and, and in the Son, the person of salvation, but We also believe in the Holy Spirit, the power of salvation. You see, from the moment Jesus left his throne in heaven as Son of God to come to earth and live as Son of Man, and until he returned with mission accomplished, everything he did, he did it not as a son of God and through his God powers, but as son of man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. John 3 and 34 says Jesus was sent by God. And it says God has given him the Spirit without limits. And Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He, Who? He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Oh, He has anointed me to release the captives. Oh, to open the eyes of the blind. Oh, to set all the oppressed free. Oh, to, to announce the time of the Lord's favor. You see, it was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that placed Jesus in the womb of a little virgin girl named Mary. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to turn the water into wine and to make the cripple walk and raise the dead. It was the Holy Spirit, oh, that gave him the determination, oh, oh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was, you know, he was having it out, and he was thinking, man, do I really want to do this? Can I do this? Oh, is there any other, but it was the Holy Spirit that enabled him to say, yes, I'll go to the cross. It was the Holy Spirit that kept him on the cross, and it was the Holy Spirit that empowered him. Arise from the dead three days later. Oh, yes. Thank God the Father for the plan of salvation. And thank, oh, the Son as the person of salvation. But, oh, oh, may we not neglect to thank God the Holy Spirit for the power to make it happen. Let me give you four things quickly this morning. That the Holy Spirit empowered Christ. To do. Number one, live sinless. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 14 tells us this. In verse 1, number 1, it said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And then it goes on to describe the temptations of the devil to Jesus. But it was Jesus empowered, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 14 it says, Jesus, after all of the temptations were over, Jesus returned to Galilee. It says, still filled with the Holy Spirit's power. See, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to resist temptation and live sinlessly. And may I suggest that the only way that you and I today can live above sin, the only way today that you and I can live pure and holy and righteous, oh, the only way is through this same power. The same power that enabled Jesus to live sinless is the same power. Amen. It is still the Holy Spirit that is available to you and to me today to help us to live above sin. Not only did the Holy Spirit empower Jesus to live sinless, but also... It empowered him to liberate sinners. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to say to the adulterous woman, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to say to the Gadarene demoniac, "Oh, come out of you! Oh, come out of this man, you unclean spirits!" And may I suggest to you today that if Satan has you bound by sin. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to liberate sinners is here today. He's here today. He's here right this very moment. And He's here to liberate you. He's here to set you free today. If you are here this morning and you are bound by any habit, if you're here this morning and sin oh, has you in its grip oh, I'm telling you the power of the Holy Spirit is here right now not at the end of the service not just at the altar call but I'm telling you the power of the Holy Spirit is here right now to loose you and set you free and in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit that is upon me right now I command the devil to loose his grip off of your life right now and in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I break the chains, amen, that have you bound today. I am telling you that your habits can be gone today. I'm telling you your bad lifestyle, your sinfulness, amen, your lust, your greed, all can be broken off, and it's broken off in the name of Jesus right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only did the Holy Spirit empower Jesus to live sinless, That liberates sinners. But also. To limit death. Revelation 1 and 18. Jesus said. I was dead. I was dead. Years ago. There were people. They still probably are. But there were people years ago for sure. That said Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just swooned. I'll never forget somebody talking about that article and that movement and that teaching, and they said, "Let's let's put you on a whipping post. Let's take a cat of nine tails. Let's put jagged pieces of metal and glass and anything sharp on the end of that of those of that whip, and let's whip you thirty nine times. Let's rip flesh from your back and from your body." Let's nail you to a cross. Let's put a spear in your side and see if you just swoon. <laughs> Jesus said, I am he that was dead. But he said, now I'm alive. Oh, and he says, I have the keys of hell and of Yes, Jesus died. Oh, oh, but death could not hold him. Three days after Jesus died on the cross, he arose from the dead. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus limited death. And the good news is, death is still limited today. You see, the only power that, that death has on a saint today is to transfer them from this world to a better world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 that for Christians, not for everybody, not for all, but for those that are in Christ, for the saints to be absent from the body, or in other words, to lose life in this body, or to die, to be absent from this body is the same as being present with the Lord. So we understand that to mean that the moment that a Christian's eyes close in death, they immediately open in a wonderful place called heaven. Jesus made this possible for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice one last thing the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do. And that is to link man to God. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says there is only one God. Only one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches us that God made man in his own image. The Bible teaches us that God loved man so very, very much. He was so pleased with his creation called man. The Bible teaches us that man deliberately disobeyed God. And through man's disobedience, the Bible says that sin entered the world. And the Bible says because sin entered the world, that sin separated man from God. This broke the father's heart. He had to do something about this. He had to make a way to restore the fellowship. Oh, oh, the Bible said that before man disobeyed God, before man sinned, that God would literally come down in the Garden of Eden and that God and man would go for a walk every evening in the cool of the evening. What sweet fellowship, oh, that God and man had. But sin separated man from that fellowship with God. And oh, it broke God's heart and he couldn't stand it. And so God had to do something to restore the fellowship and the relationship. That he once had. And so he sent. His one and only son. And he sent his Holy Spirit. With his son. To empower him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Jesus could take. The hand of the father. And the hand of man. That are now separated. He could take the hand of God and the hand of man the Holy Spirit and bring God and man back together again God loves you today He loves you so much He gave the very best He possibly had to give we believe We believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that salvation was made available for man through a joint effort of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The question is, have you taken advantage of this free gift? Salvation is a free gift offered to everyone and it is being offered today the question is will you accept it or will you reject it it's great that you believe but the bible says that the demons also believe and tremble are the demons saved It's not enough that you believe. It's not enough that you're a believer. It's what you do with what you believe. The only way to salvation is yes, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who became the Son of Man, who lived sinless, who died on the cross for your sin, who arose. From the dead three days later. You must believe that. That he is the only way to God the Father. You must believe that, yes. But you must have, you must place your faith in your belief. That's right. You must place your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Only if you place your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross, only then, can you be saved? That's right. so your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. This place is packed full of people today. There are people in this room today. You do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you believe, but you've never done anything with that belief. Today is your day. Today is your day. It's all about you today to be saved, to get right with God your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today if you were to die in the next five minutes you're not 100% sure if you'd go to heaven and if you're not 100% sure then that means you are unsure and I would not want to walk out of this room unsure today so if you are unsure of your salvation but you want to be sure today and you want me to help you this morning to be sure that your name is written in heaven and that you're ready you're saved, you're ready for heaven that's you this morning. I'm going to see your hand all over this room. Just lift it up real high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them up. Lift them up real high. You can put your hands down now. I think there's that many more that need to lift their hand this morning. Probably six or eight right there. But how many more this morning? I, I'm not 100% sure of my salvation. I want to be sure today. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand this morning all over this room. It's not too late for you. I'm waiting on you. Someone else, you didn't raise your hand a while ago. You're raising your hand now right in the back. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. How many others this morning? Lift your hand. Lift your hand today. Anyone else? God bless you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. How many others this morning? Lift your hand up. Thank you. In the middle. God bless you. dozen people, I believe, at least. How many others this morning? Lift your hand up. Let Let me just recognize you've lifted your hand all over the room today. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. All right, there was a good dozen people or so that lifted their hand this morning, I want to lead you today in what is called the sinner's prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Don't just pray it from your lips, but pray it from your heart. I believe that if you will mean this with all of your heart, the Lord will save you today. If you don't mean it from your heart, you've just wasted your breath. It's done nothing. But if you mean it, I want you to pray, but not only do I want you to pray the prayer, but I want everyone to repeat the prayer with me. No one will be singled out today. Pray this prayer with me, Heavenly Father. I recognize I'm a sinner today. If I died right now, I'd go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I need a Savior. I believe Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. I put I place my faith, my hope, my confidence, my hope, my hope, my confidence. In, Jesus in Jesus Christ. And what he, what he did for me on the cross. I repent of my sins. I, my sins. I, ask, Jesus my I ask Jesus into my life. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, you prayed it from your heart. I believe God heard you. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of prayer. Praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer, once we dismiss, there's going to be some people that are going to be down front over here, my left, your right. I want you to come to them and just tell them what happened in your life and just let them pray with you this morning. Also, you need to be baptized in water. And we'd be we would love to do that for you, time to come. Your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed today. I believe there are some people here today you have sin in your life. Sin in your life today. You're here today you have addictions. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is here right now to break bondages break addictions break the chains off of people today. Your heads are still bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's going to see. You have addictions in your life, you want them to be broken today. I want to see your hand all over this room. Just lift your hand up real high. Thank you, God bless you, and you, and you, God bless you, and you, and you. Thank you, God bless you, thank you. You can put your hand down right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I command these addictions to be broken off oh, of these people in the name of Jesus. Addiction. Holy Spirit, set the captive free right now. In the name of Jesus, be free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.